Uh, can we give it up for our worship team again? That was amazing. I absolutely loved it. I love that song. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And I think if, if any of us have ever been through some challenges in our lives, it's the faithfulness of God, amen, that's got us through. And it's such an honor to be here. It is 25 degrees in Cape Town. Uh, it, it's very different here, but I love the Irish weather. There is nothing like it, that cold in your bones in the morning because you forgot to set the central heating and uh, there's nothing like it, but it's so good. We, we went for a year to South Africa and that was four and a half years ago. And uh, sometimes God does things and changes things uh, in our lives that we didn't expect because uh, he wants to do a deeper work. And I think that's the one thing we can trust today is that God is doing a deeper work in each of us. Amen. Anybody committed this year, like just to the deeper work that God wants to do in 2023? I know I am. Uh, we we have uh, two two young children, two under two. And uh, I turned to Deborah today. I said, Deborah, there's some food on your jeans as we were walking into open arms. And she said, I know, I know it's so bad. And then I just talked took off my jacket when Maddie asked us and I looked down and I said, oh crap, there's some food on my jeans, on my top. And I was like, we looked at each other and we were like, it's just crazy. That is a representation of, the, a better representation of the season actually is this morning we were asked for a picture and I want to show you a picture of our family here. Uh, and we realized, wait a second, we don't have a picture of all four of us together. So this is Zaya, our oldest one, and the last three months are a blur, so we're just surviving, amen? And it's, it's all good, we're getting there. So today we're going to go home, and we're going to take a picture of all four of us. <laughs> our second born is two and a half months old, so it's been, it's been amazing to be home. And um, we don't have the kids with us today, and somebody asked, Blake actually asked me when, when we came in, he said, where are the girls? I said, they're not here. <laughs> And it's amazing. Uh, but we love them deeply. Anyway, I am honored to be here. I love Sean. I've known Sean for probably 20 years. And uh, he's been a great friend over the years. And we have walked a long journey together with Sean and Jill. And it's just an honor to be here today. And uh, Open Arms has had like a significant impact on my life over the years from youth camps to youth explosions to, I remember all the different days going down to Open Arms. Um, and it was amazing. Debs and I were dating, started dating when we were 17. And uh, we actually were at an Open Arms uh, youth event. And I looked over and she looked over at me and I knew, I just knew that was the day. Uh, so there you go. Um, but hey, I want to read the word of God to you today. Amen. I actually have a very unique passage of scripture that I have never really spoken on before. Uh, and when I read it, I think you'll, you'll start to understand it. But I, I really was just praying uh, to the Lord, just Lord, what, what, what are we going to share today? 2023, we're kind of three weeks in, as Maddie said. And I just wanted to give you a word for your year. I'm sure you have a word for your year, but the title of this message is just simply called Paid in full. Paid in full. I love when things are paid in full. We're paying off a mortgage with another 72 years left on it. And um, <laughs> it's great. I can't wait till my parents just paid their, paid their mortgage off. Lifetime achievement. And my dad said, it's paid in full. I love that. I want to I speak today on paid in full. Somebody bought a car uh, the other day uh, in one of our friends and, 
and they said they've got a car payment on it. I said, it's a really nice car. I said, how long are you going to be paying for it? They said, the next seven years. I said, okay, that's great. Well, I've got my little Nissan Micra. We're going to rock it, but it's paid in full. <laughs> it's paid in full. Driving around in your Tesla. Oh, good. <laughs> Hosea chapter one. Uh, I think, I'll give a little bit of context to the text. Hosea is known as a minor prophet. So there were major prophets and there were minor prophets. Hosea's role was to bring the word of God to the people of Judah who had turned their back on the Lord, who were sinning, who were not living with God. Just to give you a bit of context, they were walking into a very dodgy area and Hosea, the minor prophet, imagine just being called a minor, you're a major prophet, but no, you, you're a minor prophet. Already you've got a bit of an inferiority complex, you know? Nobody listens to me. I'm only a minor prophet. Hey, we have Dan today. He's actually a minor preacher. He's coming up. He's just going to speak a little word to you. Not a big word, a little word. You're only going to get a minor blessing. You're only going to get minor revenue. Anyway, Hosea, I imagine, had a bit of a complex. He was the junior prophet, and that's all he would ever be, and he knew it. Meanwhile, you've got Isaiah down in Israel, and he's a major prophet. He's a big dog. The big dog is down south. And at the same time, you've got Hosea doing this, and you've got a major prophet doing that. Anyway, context is important. It helps us shape the text. It says this, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. And this is the verse I think is the craziest verse in scripture. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Hosea, go and marry a prostitute. Imagine, imagine that is your first assignment. Go and marry a prostitute. You've got Hosea here, and he's like, well, Lord, what are you asking me to do? And you've got Isaiah over here, and he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord <laughs> is upon me, for he has anointed me. Lord, what are you doing? You already got me down as minor, and you've got Isaiah proclaiming the good news to the poor and the broken, and you've got me over here, and you're asking me to marry promiscuous woman. Now, this may be your first time in church, and you may be wondering, what is, what is going on with this text? Don't worry, there's a, there's a principle I want to bring out. He says, come, go, and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. I can imagine Hosea asking God, are you serious? Small truth, sometimes God asks us to do things we didn't expect him to do. Sometimes he asks us to do things that are contrary to the way we operate in our world. And God asks Hosea, I'm going to use this situation. I'm going to use it for my glory. Then he says this, this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning away from God. I want to show you how you and your country have turned away from God. In fact, Hosea, I am going to use your life to draw a picture. I'm going to give you an example and I'm going to use your life to do it. I'm going to use you as the pen and I'm going to show you so deeply what I feel about my people and how I've been treated. I'm going to use your life to do it. Our oldest daughter, uh, Zaya, who's still 23 months old, uh, has started drawing. 
and I can see she's a little Picasso already, honestly. Top one percentile. Uh, it's amazing. Parents, you know, it's, 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 it's very funny when you have kids, but um, we just think our child is the best at everything. And she is, honestly. She's a major prophet. And uh, she's got the spirit of the Lord on her. Um, but she has just started drawing and uh, Deb's helps her out. The scribbles are quite architectural masterpieces. But uh, she said one day, hey, hey, last week, uh, Dada, uh, let's draw a picture. Uh, so she said to ma'am, let's draw a picture of Dada. I'm in the, in the other room praying over the word for this morning. Intercede, that's a joke. Anyway, I'm in the other room. And uh, it's, um, it starts off and Deb says, let's, let's draw Dada. So, so Zaya says, head draws a head eyes nose so Debs is drawing a nose hands boobies <laughs> like what <laughs> mm. I hear it from the other room Deborah goes Dada Dada doesn't Dada doesn't have those he does <laughs> I remember screaming they're perfectly formed pectoral Muscles, Zaya, they're, they're, they're formed and structured. They're formed and structured. He does, he does. Sometimes things get a bit mixed up. And sometimes somebody draws a picture of your life and you don't like it. And this is what God was doing with Hosea. He started to use his life to draw a picture. And he says, I'm going to draw it not the way you want it to be. I'm going to draw it the way I want it to be. I'm going to draw it and you're going to see. You're going to illustrate. You're going to see what is going on? I can imagine, let's place the text, Ho, uh, uh, Hosea pursues Gomer. She's the, the woman who seems to be pros- promiscuous on the street. But if you look at the text, Hosea falls deeply in love with this woman. He pursues her. He redeems her. He goes and he takes her out of what she is in. He redeems her. He pursues her. I imagine he takes her out on a date. If we were to put it in modern terms, maybe he took her to the Odeon Cinema. If he was doing really well, he took her to the Stella. You know, he was like, let's go. Stella is the, is it still going? No, they didn't get it. Anyway, all good. It's all good. It's all good. Takes her out and falls deeply in love with this woman. It says, verse 3, so Hosea married Gomar, the daughter of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Verse 5 and 6 tell of other sons and a daughter. In verse 6, it says, soon Gomer became pregnant again, the third child, and gave birth to a daughter. And after Gomer had weaned him off, her off, sorry, she became pregnant with the birth of a second son. Three children, a home that was filled with love, a home that was filled with commitment and A home that looked like things had truly changed. A lifestyle that was in the past had now been redeemed. A lifestyle that was hopeless. It started to turn for the good, it seems. And there's a family that's formed. The text goes on over two passages of script, two texts of scripture, rather. It gives us a picture of the life that's been formed. But then The text leads us to the place where there are no more children in Hosea's household and Gomer starts to forget the love of her husband. I I, I can just imagine it for a moment. Hosea, the minor prophet, walking around preaching as the murmurs start to happen in the streets that, oh, Gomer, she's back to her old ways. I can imagine rumors started to circulate as as Hosea was proclaiming the word of the Lord. Well, wasn't, isn't that, isn't that, isn't he married to the woman who was, was she, was that, 
I can imagine Hosea would come home, maybe from a, a trip where he had been proclaiming the word of God to people, to find that Gomer wasn't at home, and the kids started to inadvertently let comments out that Mammy hadn't been here, or maybe somebody had been in the house. Just, just imagine it for a second, and, and, and I can imagine what Hosea is going through. Why has she returned when she was redeemed? Why has she returned to a previous life when, when she was restored, when, when she was taken out of that lifestyle that, that had offered her so many things? Why has she returned? Let's, let's take the focus off Hosea just for a minute, the, the prophet, and let's put it on Gomer. Hermeneutics is the interpretation of scripture. It very simply means how we interpretate scripture. There's a then and there principle around Gomer's life. The then and there principle is that God is using Hosea as a picture of the relationship with Israel. But then there's a here and now principle. A here and now principle is when I look at a text, when I look at a story, there's a principle that applies directly to my life, directly to each and every single one of us. And this is the principle. Are you ready for it? Gomer represents every single one of us. Searching for love after we've already experienced it. Let me, let me put it a different way. And here's the question. After all that Hosea had given her, after all that she had experienced, why did she go back? Why? Why did she go back? I have to ask myself that question. Because the here and now principle asks me that question. In my relationship with God, when I have experienced his love, when I've experienced his life-giving fruit, when I've experienced the love of the Father, when I've, when I've entered into relationship with him, wherever you may be in your journey, why as people do we tend to go back? Why do the people of Israel tend to go back? Go back to old ways of thinking. Go back to, to old ways, old mindsets, maybe old addictions, maybe old things that gave us um, a certain level of, of identity or value. Why do, we, why do we have that tendency to look sideways from the home and the place that we've been given? Lost after being loved and bound after being freed, chained after being chosen. I have to ask myself this question because Gomer knew Hosea's love for her. But I don't believe she had ever truly experienced it. I want to give you three simple points on how we can experience the love of God. Hosea 4 verse 6, I think we have it on screen. It just very simply says this. Soon, sorry, we'll go to verse 4, sorry. Because you have rejected knowledge, God is speaking to the people of Israel. He says, because you have rejected knowledge, I have also rejected you as my people. And here's a very simple point. In order for us to know the love of God, we have to have experienced the love of God. Now, he says this, because you have rejected knowledge, knowledge, the root word is to know, but it's a different type of knowledge. In the Hebrew, it's actually called a yada knowledge. It's not just a thinking and an intellectual knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. Put it to you like this. Every time I bring a friend to Ireland, and I have over many years, I say this to them. I say, you've got to experience something. And it's called a Leo Burdock's fish and chips. There's a God-placed hole inside of each of us that only can be filled by a Leo Burdock's 
fish and chips. You've got to experience it. It's amazing. It's not good for you. It's not healthy. Some of you are just off a fast, but it's a place in our hearts that only when you experience that salty vinegar, carb taste in your mouth, the oil saturated, it is a placed hole in each of us. I say, oh, what chips? I went down to the local chipper. No, 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 but did you go? to Leo Burdocks. And I say something like this, because once you've experienced it, you'll never go back. Now, a yada type knowledge is that deep experiential knowledge that you don't just think about it, you know it deeply in your soul. You've experienced it and the experience has shifted you. Are you still talking about Leo Burdocks? No, I've moved on. It's, a, I, it's just, a, you know, I'm like, gosh, this guy is passionate about Leo Burdocks. Here's the deal. God says you first of all have to know and experience. You have to know, number one, what you are. To never go back, and I say this in 2023, start of the year, but it's like, okay, there's some things we're leaving behind. There's some things we don't want to go back to. Maybe there's things that come up years later and we're like, I've got to know what I am. And here's the important thing. Knowledge informs you. Experience changes you. How can I experience the, 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 the love of the Father? You've got to know what you are. 1 John 3 verse 1, a scripture, a full book on who we are, what we are as children of God. He says this, see what great love the Father has lavished upon us. Each one of you, wherever you're sitting, God has lavished. He's poured out his love. He will definitely have you in the picture. Not just the three kids, you will be, you will be in the picture. Unlike Daniel and Debs Malone who don't have a picture, you have been lavished love upon. He has lavished his love upon us that we should be called children of God. You got to know what you are. I'm a child of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Let me put it to you like this. You are a child of God. You're not a servant of God. You're not an employee of God. You're a child of God. And you've got to know what you are. You're not a performer for God. Whether you play the keys, sit in the front, sit in the back, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, first and foremost, you've got to know what you are. You've got to know that you are a child of the king. The scripture goes on and says this, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Yesterday, I went and got my hair cut and he was preaching today, so I had to look well. <laughs> I've also had a pain in my tooth the last two weeks, probably from all of the celebrations, Heroes, Quality Street, every single thing that was eaten. Anybody else or is it just me? Okay, great. I've had a pain in my tooth. I, 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 went, <laughs> I went to the barber yesterday and I Honestly, I got a great haircut. She was amazing. At no point did I turn to the barber and say, hey, can you have a, can you have a look at my tooth? Can you have a look at my tooth's been paining me. It's actually really sore. While you have the clippers there, would you want to just have a look? Just have a quick look. I'll open up. You're, I'm on the chair already. It's all good. Like you've got, you've got it down. You know what you're doing. No. And so often we look to the world the Bible says this, we know that we are children of God. The world does not know us because it does not know him. We look 
to a barber for our tooth pain. We look to the world for our identity. And the only person who can give us our identity is the dentist, is the person, the Godhead, who has called us children of God. And if we look for what we are in anything else, and I'm speaking like, you may have a great career, you may have a beautiful family, you may be an amazing grandparent, you can find identity in all of those things, but you can't get your identity from them. You have to go to the source that I firstly and foremostly am a child of God. There is nothing that I can do to earn his love. I'm a child. I'm loved. He's lavished his love before me. And no matter what I do, no matter what happens, no matter what role I fulfill in this life, whether I'm executive or whether I'm a a sales rep or whether I'm a, a, a gym instructor, whether I'm a nurse, it does not matter. God says you're firstly a child of God. And those things are not identity bringers. You give your identity to them. And the identity firstly is I'm a child of God. I'm set free. I walk into my workplace today. I'm a child of God. Anything that comes at me, the stress, the pain, hey, we're, we're understaffed. We're oversubscribed. There's things going on. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. You've got to know what you are. There is nothing you can do to win the love of the Father. But even though Gomer had married Hosea, she still didn't know what he saw in her. I remember this. I remember going to college, I was telling somebody earlier on, and uh, making a group of friends. So funny when I think back on some seasons in my life. And I remember having this obtrusive thought with a new group of friends. Anybody remember going to college? You're like, I need to make a friend quick. Like, I just got to make a friend. One friend, I'll be fine. I remember like getting into a group of friends. I was like, these guys are like proper cool. Like this is, and I remember thinking, I don't think they, they're going to figure out who I really am eventually. It's going to all like, fail. this is, this is the, the crazy thing we, we tell ourselves. Hosea was standing in front of Gomer and I honestly think she was looking at him like, he doesn't know who I really am. She hadn't let go of that identity. She didn't know what she was. And this is secondly, the most important thing to experience that love of God is you've got to know who you are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. We take the definition of the world and we often play it back to ourselves in our workplaces, in our lives. And I imagine Gomer was walking around looking as she went back to her old way. I've maybe had the kids and I've produced for what I can do and done everything I can. She was going around to different men trying to find her value, trying to find what she was worth. Imagine her going around to different people to get her identity. What do you see in me? What do you see in me? What do you see in me? What, what can you give me? What can I give you so that you can give me something? I just think there's a, there's a beautiful freedom in when you know who you are, when you know that you're a child of God, what you are, but you know who you are, that I don't have to operate anymore out of the previous knowledge. I remember somebody telling me a few months back, hey, I've, I'm a, I've got an addictive person. Hey, you don't have an addictive person. God has transformed and changed you. You're a child of God. You don't have to go back to old mindsets. You don't have to go back to old ways of thinking. You can be free and know who you are. I'm a child of God. And because of that, I have the full access of heaven's angels at my disposal. I'm a child of God. I'm set free from everything that the enemy tries to get me back. Hey, every worry or fear or everything that comes at us, I'm free. 
The Bible said I can cast all my cares on him. Why? Because he cares for me. He cares for me. I can get rid of them. I can let them go. When things start to strike in our lives and we're wondering, oh, will I be? I can look at the promises of God because I know who I am. And here's the truth. Nothing can truly define us apart from Jesus. Nothing can truly define us. It's an intrinsic value. As, as we come into church today, we can come in finding out who we are and knowing who we are. And sometimes we haven't fully accepted his security, his confidence, his identity in our lives. We go around and say, hey, is it in this place I can find it or at that place I can find it? The story goes, Gomer has went back to her old way of living and prostituting and selling her body. and She finds herself completely enslaved, meaning she gives everything she is to another person. And Hosea, with the kids at home, I can imagine, is trying to, trying to do what God has asked him to do and goes into the marketplace, into the town square. And we take it up in chapter three. It says this, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover. That's the like turning point moment. This will illustrate that the Lord, even while we were still in our trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. That the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. And then it says this, verse 2. This is is a great verse. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days. Stop your prostitution. I have a problem. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to disclose it to everybody now. It's called the January sales. Anybody else, the January sales? You just get you. They brought the January sales into December. In fact, they brought the, Dece- the December, the, 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 the sales are like too early now. And you're, you, I have a problem. It happens all the time. Debs will be like, do you really need a bread maker? I'll be like, yeah, I do. It's on sale. <laughs> Isn't that right? It's like, but it, it doesn't fit you, Daniel. They're size nine and you're size 10 and a half, but they're on sale, Deborah. They're discounted. There's something about like, Getting something on a discount that's just like, I don't know what it is. It's like, like my parents got work done in their house recently. And I was like, yeah, we got the doors. We spent this amount, but we got them on discount. They're on discount. It validates us. Hold that thought for a minute of the discount. The final thing that's really important that you've got to know is know what you are, know who you are. The third thing is, is you've got to know what you're worth. So often... We sell ourselves on discount. We take the price of who we are or what we are in our daily lives and we enter into things on discount when Jesus paid a price for us that was fully worth it. I'm going to illustrate this. The Bible says that Gomer was enslaved and God speaks to her and says to Hosea, sorry, hey, go and buy your wife back. Theologians tell us he would have walked into an auction. I can imagine the auction places so full of different men, different people, a very patriarchal society. And this woman walks in. She's probably bound. She could be chained. She could be caged. She's enslaved. 
She sold herself. And Hosea walks into the marketplace. And there's an auction on. And it says this. That he started to offer what he had for her. The Bible tells us that he offered 15 pieces of silver. But any auction starts lower. And Hosea walks into the place. I can imagine Gomer looking up and seeing that there's a man who is bidding for her. Maybe the bids were all coming in. One piece of silver. Two pieces of silver. Four pieces of silver. Six pieces of silver. Mm, Wow. I've never been worth six pieces of silver before. It's getting pretty high. Was God trying to illustrate something to Gomer herself that her worth wasn't just six pieces of silver, but no, the price had gone up seven, eight. You'll take eight, you'll take nine. Nine, you'll take 10. Who's got 11? And Gomer's sitting there and said, I sold, I sold myself for far less. Serious, 11, 12, 12. You've got 12, who's got 12? 13, 14. And then it gets to 15 pieces of silver. Now, theologians tell us that in order for anything other to be added to the price of silver, it meant that Hosea got to a point where all he had was 15 pieces of silver. And then he started to offer up more. The price kept going up. The price kept going up. And Gomer looks at Hosea, who's bidding for her life. And she's saying, hey, hey, You've given everything you've got for something that you already owned. You're giving everything. The Bible tells us, no, no, he went in and he went into his house and he said, oh, I've got five bushels of barley. No, 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 five. He matches it, 17 pieces of, I've got, I've got two vats of wine and I've, I've got some oil. I'll give, I'll give everything I have. And I can imagine Gomar sat there and for the first time in her life as she was chained up, she realized He really thinks I'm worth all that. He's willing to bankrupt everything that he has in order to get me back. I just just can't imagine the scene. As Gomar is suddenly freed and they say the gravel comes down and says paid in full. And this is the beauty of our Christian walk is that the here and now principle is that we are Gomar and 2,000 years ago, Jesus went into the marketplace of humanity and he laid the gravel down and he said, I will give everything I have, everything that I own, everything that I am, everything that I can do. I'm going to lay my life down and pray the, pay the ultimate price for the freedom and the salvation so that every single day, not only do they walk in freedom, but they know their value. They know that they're worth everything that Jesus paid for them. They know that they're worth the freedom that he for them. They know that every time they enter into an anxious thought, they're selling their lives on discount. They're putting themselves back in chains. Every time they enter back into something that was the, the thing that gave them value before, they don't need it anymore because they sat and saw. Then they had a revelation that one silver, two silver, 14 silvers, 15 silvers, everything he had, friend, Jesus, just for you, laid everything he had in the marketplace between heaven and earth so that you could experience experience true freedom and every time you walk in anything less you're selling yourself on discount and if all you get today is is that Jesus paid it all it's a beautiful song all to him I owe death had left its crimson stain 
but he washed it white as snow. Every day you walk around, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, go walk into an executive meeting where you're devalued, you say, I'm not letting that value, not letting the value of other people. You walk into a, a, a situation where you're, where you're suddenly anxious again, where somebody starts speaking things over you, where there's a family situation going on, you're worth far more. You can hold it in yourself and say, Lord, I'm not entering back into that stuff. I'm paid for with a price. The price was everything. I know what I am. I know who I am. And I know my value. And I'm going to live freely out of that value. The Bible says that Gomer went back into the house of Hosea. And I believe she walked around saying every time a man shouted or something shouted at her, hey, hey, Gomer, one piece of silver, come on, come on. She says, sorry, I was paid in full. And I've got the text message to prove it. <laughs> I want to pray for you right now. If you want to stand to your feet, if the message has impacted you in any way, I want to pray that whatever you're facing today, you'd know the price that Jesus paid for you. If the team come and I just want to pray that maybe, maybe there's like, Oh, there's like that sense that I just haven't got like, I, I, I'm free. I know I'm free. I know I'm the Lord's. I've, but there's things that the enemy just tries to bring back and I start discounting myself and I start entering into it. And maybe it's just something that's, that's just 1% or 2% discount. It's a little bit less, but it's not the full price that Jesus paid for you. And you're saying, you know what, Lord, today, I just, I just want to live fully free. I just want to know that I'm paid in full. I know that I'm a child of God. I don't need to worry about everything. The Bible actually says it. Jesus says it, Matthew chapter 10. Like, hey, if I'm going to look after the sparrows, they don't, they don't need anything. And then he says this. He says, but you're worth so much more than many sparrows. Never need to worry. Never need to be anxious. I've got you. I, 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 I've paid for you. I've, I've paid the price. All you need to do is live in it. And accept it. If that's you today, just you can just pop up your hand, every eye closed, every head bowed. And we're gonna thank you, Jesus, for each person here in this room, each person who has just even experienced that love of the Father. Maybe you're here, you haven't, that's okay. That yada type of experience. Lord, right now I just pray, even as we go about our weeks, as we go about 2023, that wouldn't be just seeking direction about things, but Lord, we'd know your your deep affection for us. And everything we would do is out of that love, that affection. Every situation that we have, whether we feel like, you know, we're just, we're just undervalued in certain areas. We feel like we don't know what to do in certain situations. We just know the love of the Father. That it was paid in full. That there's nothing we can do to earn it. That there's nothing we can do to, to just even uh, add to it. But Lord, you paid it in full 2,000 years ago. The gravel came down and the auction is over. And all we do is we accept the price that you paid because it was paid in full.